Our next wonderful speaker will be known to many of you, I think, as she wears various hats and is no stranger to school libraries <laughs> and the school library circles. Um, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Prue Mitchell, who is certainly our host here today and has uh, very much made, helped make this day happen. Without her and her contacts at ACR, it wouldn't have happened. So big thank you to you, Prue, for that. But she's actually going to be a presenter as well. Yeah. We're working very hard, not only as an organiser but also as a presenter. So Prue is the Manager of Information Services at the Australian Council for Education Research and also an adjunct lecturer in the School of Information Studies at Charles Sturt University. Her professional and research interests include information literacy, digital education, research and professional learning. After working as a teacher librarian, yes, she's a wonderful one of us, uh, across K-12 independent schools, uh, Prue spent 12 years managing national online education projects before joining ACER's Cunningham Library. Prue's agreed to speak to us today on the topic of libraries uh, curating evidence. Please join me in welcoming Prue. Thank you. Thanks, Susan, and welcome. It's great to um, have, have you here, and um, it's nice to be able to follow some, some colleagues um, and obviously that great presentation from um, Misha. So I'm kind of going to steer. I think Joe um, moved as well into this space, uh, but talking, somebody at the last point before lunch basically said about targeting teachers and you know, the role we have to work with teachers. So we can't always get to every student, but if we can get to most of our teachers, um, then uh, you know, we, we can still have quite a bit of impact. And so I'd like to take um, this session, um, just quickly sharing what we do here, but helping you to make those connections um, into your, your own practice. So, um, I think you've probably got a bit of a sense already about the Australian Council for Educational Research and our, our role, but as Joe said, um, we're, about, we're not for profit and we're about improving learning and that's in the broadest possible sense. And I think, um, like us, you are about improving learning in your schools and as library staff, you're natural advocates for evidence-based practice, which is very much um, our mantra. So... Um, when I focus on our staff at ACR and talk about the services that we offer, then you would be thinking about your staff and your school community. Um, and just to... It's always good, I think, to revisit our role as information um, specialists. Um, and I'm sure that's why you're here. Is it going to click? Or should I use the mouse? I'll go forwards. <laughs> That'll help. There we go. Um, so the Cunningham Library, Australian Council for Educational Research, has been around since... Well, library has been around since 1930, so we turn 90 next year as an organisation. Um, and its focus is Australian education, or has been, and then in the last 10 years, all of a sudden, Australian Council for Educational Research has sprung up in India and in London and in Indonesia and Malaysia and the Middle East. So um, we still keep the word Australian um, and uh, we're all of a sudden servicing a lot more than just um, Australian education. But um, 
my colleague Katie is over in the, in the back there. And we really welcome you on the way out to visit the physical library, which is on level two, as you go down the first flight of stairs. Um, and we don't have a door, we're open to, to our staff. Um, public uh, available, you know, can come and visit at any stage as well. And um, just to kind of point out, I think we have a lot of services that you'll probably recognise as a library. We have um, a very large collection of physical items. But there are differences between a research library and a school library. And this is the definition from the National Library um, as to what makes a research level collection. And our scope and focus in these areas uh, is Australian education. So we try to be as comprehensive anything that is published uh, by or about Australian education, then we will sample it up if we can find it. And that includes physical and digital content. So, you know, and a thing from your perspective is, you know, what's your scope? And normally your scope is to support uh, the curriculum in your school and the needs of your staff and students. And one of the areas that I really, um, you know, I really feel very strongly about is that our teachers, and listen, listening to Joe just said, our teachers need to know how to teach, they need to continually get better at teaching, and they need to know that what they're doing, and all those programs that are out there for them to choose from, that they're actually choosing things that are based on evidence and that will have some impact. And I think, you know, there is a lot of work now, I think that's getting traction, certainly in the last 10 years, I feel like there is a lot more interest in that research and evidence base while, you know, it, on one hand, but then there's also that other side where people are just seeing new fads go through very quickly and some people are picking them up. So you start to find a personality difference in your school. I think you'll find possibly even at the leadership level as to the people who just want something new and flashy and the people who really want to dig in and make sure that um, they're investing. Because the most expensive thing in your school is time and people and you know we know that how hard change is why would you um, do things that are very expensive um, when they're not proven so I said we have a physical presence we also have a major online presence and this is accessible um, to you yeah, this address at the bottom will get you to the search and you can come in and because we we recognize that most schools don't have a budget, school libraries don't have much of a budget for professional resources, certainly not for some of the in-depth research. Now, we can't give you full text access. I'm sure you're all aware about um, <laughs> copy we've just heard Joe go on about, but you know, licenses are very restrictive and increasingly so. But we can at least help you find that research exists or doesn't exist. So um, that's we, you can either do it yourself or you can join the library. And I was just checking, because it's a sliding scale for the year, I think for most schools up to uh, between about 500 students and 1,000 students, for $250 for the rest of this year, then you, know, you, could, you would, uh, as a school, be able to join. And it's a sliding scale for the time of year. But this searches is just you know, our catalogue, our, um, all of our research, everything that we have access to. So that's basically our front door online. And we also collect everything that um, ACR writes. 
okay, from, unless it's written as a comp some of Julian's reports this morning, he's not allowed to release. But yes, sometimes we have clients who need confidentiality in, um, in the work. But anything that we can, we will publish openly uh, for, um, to get maximum, you know, if we're going to inform and um, promote learning, then we want to make it as open as possible. So you can access most of the research from here. And I think, you know, this is one of the issues for, for your staff is how do they find whether the research is there? Because they're off there coming up with new problems all the time in their practice and chances are there may not be research. Well, we would also like to know where the gaps are. So, you know, ask the questions because the first thing you need to do is get out there, find out what's already been done and not reinvent the wheel or start planning for the research that's required. I'd also have a think um, in your own situation, what is it that your school staff, your community are writing, creating, developing? What's the equivalent in the school? And are you collecting that? In your role as, as the information managers in your school, are you collecting programs? Are you collecting um, the presentations that your staff make, that kind of thing, so that people can um, find it again. We also, we're just going through all the different levels of um, things. We also manage uh, the Australian Journal of Education, so Katie's um, involved strongly with this, and this is a peer-reviewed research publication. And um, this is, as you know, the as Joe was talking about, the clicks that are part of the currency and the visitors that are the currency on a website. Citations are a currency for academics, as Michelle was talking about uh, that. So, you know, to have, to be published in this kind of journal is both good for academics and it's good for the profession and uh, the, to get the research that's at that really high quality. And again, it is a subscription to pay for the editors and all of the distribution of a journal. Uh, but we all, um, do have uh, themes and topical uh, issues that um, different articles on a theme will be open at certain times that you can access. A really um, growing role, and I think you would recognise this in your work as well, is not just about getting all the stuff. It's actually about sifting and choosing the stuff that's good. And that curation role is when you're making those lib guides, uh, when you're sending out alerts to teachers to match a particular topic. So we do it for important themes. Uh, this one is uh, learning ground. So there's, you know, um, the Indigenous Education Database has about 10,000 resources in it. It's an awful lot, but it's a lot less than the you know, 300,000 that you would have to sift through to find. So, you know, this is another area where at least if you know that this exists and you can go there for a particular topic, we have others and I know, you know, there are lots of other curated um, you know, ways that we curate for our staff, sending out alerts, that kind of thing. ACR's um, got another role in Australian education literature, and that is as the indexer for the and the curator of the Australian Education Index, which some of you probably know as A Plus Education. And um, 
So I like this image of that. So you start with all the stuff that's been published down um, on this side. And indexing is like sifting it and sorting it into agreed slots of, of a, a topic or a term so that you know you can get a comprehensive uh, set of articles. So if you need to know about um, well-being in adolescent girls, in you know, South Australian schools, you know that you'll be able to get down to exactly that search. And you'll also be able to know you've got everything on that. So you're not missing out on the, the, the most important study because somebody called it well-being without a hyphen. So just like your subject headings in your, um, in your library catalogue. And this is actually a key part of Australia's infrastructure and evidence uh, research. So a big job. And again, we can't do that work without being funded. And the way we get that funded is to license that indexing work to other um, aggregators, we call them. So if, if you go online and do a search, you recognise that the most important thing is to get fairly high up in the list, set of results. Um, people do not want to search in 15 different journals or in 15 different places. They want to go to one place and get the results. So to aggregate our work into a larger um, body of work is one way that people can um, be saved time, basically. And again, we can get that attention. So um, there are very... I just wanted to show you this as well with the media topic to know that there are TV news services. I know you can record your own on um, you know, your video capture, but can you index it? Can you um, search it readily? Um, if you want to use TV news or um, digital media to teach media literacy, you also need some way of, of finding it. One of our other roles is, again, it's curation, but this time it's news curation. So the whole stream of news coming in through a very expensive subscription service, uh, we pick out various things. We pick out anything that mentions our organisation and our work and our projects and make sure that everyone in the organisation uh, knows that that news story has happened. Uh, we also sort general news to keep people informed in their industry. And we um, will have thematic. So, you know, if we've got a group of early childhood researchers who need to know what's happening in early childhood, then they can subscribe and get a narrower feed rather than everybody in the organisation trying to read this. So you can subscribe to services, I'm sure some of you do, but you can also just set up alerts through Google, things like TalkWalker. There are various services where you can just put in terms that you want to keep up with, RSS feeds, that kind of thing. Again, it's all about finding out what's out there so that you can, um, you can get people to the research that they need. And so why do we care about this? You know, why, as library staff, are we worried about all this stuff, media literacy and, you know, um, and having information? Well, you know, this is, I think, the, the new ALIA campaign is a good one around our, the information ethics that we signed up to as a profession in librarianship. Truth, integrity and knowledge. So they've got the, the tick and you can see the, the play on words there. But, you know, they are our core, you know, our core uh, goals. And it's good to remember 
remember that. And that really sits behind a lot of what we're doing. And they have also embedded in the FAIR uh, campaign, which is all about equal access to education. So I haven't gone into the Students Need School Libraries campaign, but it's a very similar thing. The fact that everybody should have access to the best evidence on which to base their work. Um, and for the teacher librarians among us, there's also this requirement for us to support our teachers as well, that everybody needs to have knowledge and understanding of research. So how do we do that if we don't have access to, from the bottom level, the news of the new stuff that's coming out through to Teacher Magazine, through to Australian Journal of Education and all of the other professional research-based um, publications. I haven't given you the funnel, but there is that funnel of, um, you know, the, the sources of, of evidence that people sift through right up to the systematic reviews, which are, um, you know, aggregating all of the, the best quality um, literature. Um, I mean, I don't think we can all point, you know, paint the rosy picture. There are um, cases where research is not perfect. And in fact, uh, I was wondering if Misha would mention it today um, that the, the, he did talk about the um, conferences that have been on recently and the uh, chief scientist actually said yesterday about how there is some research being, because publication is what is important uh, and is the currency, that what is published is not always of the highest quality. So, you know, we can't just go there and say any research is fantastic. Um, there is research that is problematic and if you ever want to go to this little spurious correlation site, that's quite um, quite fun, but and it makes the point, you know, just, you can't always say that this causes that. Um, but I still think it's better that we're worrying something about research than um, ignoring it. And these are the skills we need to evaluate research, which are exactly the same as the skills we need to. Um, evaluate media and everything that we read. And I think, you know, you can get the who wrote, who funded, and then as I think what's missing from there is what Joe said about, you know, what's the path that it's come through? Where, where's the original? <laughs> so when we're talking research literacy, again, it's got a good parallel to media literacy, I think. Um, Yes, you go with the best available evidence and you keep checking that evidence because is it still the same and the best evidence? If that's what you learnt in college 40 years ago, is um, has something else happened in the area of neuroscience that may have um, improved on that? But we also don't discount ex the professional expertise, all right? But we keep them all in some kind of balance. So, you know, there are some people who will only go with the hunch over here and that works for me and my daughter learnt to read that way, therefore that's the right way, um, without taking the other two into some kind of balance. This in the medical field, I was doing some work a couple of years ago and this figure just kept coming up. Um, and I do have a reference there, so it wasn't just someone's hunch. Basically, the sense that it takes 17 years for medical research to be translated from the laboratory into the doctor's surgery or the surgeon's um, um, kind of arsenal. 
I have often said I think it's possibly longer than that in education because most people seem to teach the way they were taught and so how do you break that, that cycle? Um, only by making the evidence really compelling and often there's some kind of emotional side to that as well. So that's the bit we need. It's not enough just to give someone a document and tell them to read it. They need to see somebody in uh, modelling that in their teaching or in whatever it is you're talking about in education. And so this is a, um, a fairly common translational um, diagram. And so, you know, at ACR we do the research, we publish it um, through our repository, which is great. Um, we disseminate and um, do a lot of work in trying to get things out through social media, through teacher, through conferences. But the real challenge is the engaging all right, so until people engage with that research, and I think that's where we pass it over to you, as someone who's a bit closer to the, um, you know, to the people who need to know about that research, um, who can translate it into action. So that's, that's our real challenge as a profession, as an education um, community. Um, and I think you know, that's part of our role. And it would be the same when you're looking at, in the, at the school level, what you're doing. Um, so this is, you may have noticed that, only way you might try to sit on the wall outside. <laughs> but, um, you know, just one of the things we're realising in all of this is that people don't have time to read at the level that, um, and that, I think, that's a large part of why we're relying on the clickbait or the headline. And um, I always go back to Jo's story about people who retweet videos and things and then she can tell you, well, nobody actually re watched that video, but it's been retweeted, you know, five, everyone thinks it must be a great thing, but no one, you know. So who's actually investing that time and effort to take the knowledge on board? It's not, you know, and that's why I think we do have to filter very carefully because we know that people don't have the time. Some people don't have the skills to read, but um, it's, there's energy needed in that. So I hope that uh, has <laughs> not more more depressing, uh, but more challenge more challenges for us. And um, certainly, get in touch with you know we really anything we can do to engage with with you is is good for our work. And I hope that um, all our work is useful to you. Thanks. Thank you.